Good evening, everybody. Good evening. It is Proverbs chapter 1, where my Bible is opened up. Proverbs chapter 1, I will bid you to join me in Proverbs the first chapter as we open up the Word of the Lord for these next few minutes, as we prepare to find some Bible answers to some of your Bible questions on what we simply call here at Lakeside Q&A night. For those of you that are visiting, maybe this is your first time being here for a Q&A night, you just hang in here, you'll see how all this works, and uh, you'll figure out that this is not live Q&A from the audience. These are questions that have been submitted to me beforehand, and give me some time, ample time to prepare some thoughts and things to think about this evening. It is great to see you tonight. So glad that you are here. I hope that you've had a, a pleasant and enjoyable afternoon. You know... It's early October here in Kentucky, and you know what that means, don't you? Nothing. It's 90 degrees outside and blazing hot. But it is the Lord's Day nonetheless, and that makes this day special regardless of what the temperatures are outside. I'm glad you're here, and I hope that you can say the same as well. It may feel like, if you're a regular here, it may feel like that I just did Q&A night just a couple of weeks ago. It was three weeks ago to be exact. But if I don't do it tonight, then I'm not going to get a Q&A in for the month of October because next Sunday I will begin a meeting in Hodgenville, Kentucky. I'm going to be gone all week. And of course the fourth Sunday night is our singing night. And then the third Sunday night this month we will begin our gospel meeting that Sunday running through Wednesday night of that week. And I do want, since I bring that up, I do want to say just a quick word about that meeting while I have the opportunity to do so. Uh, You need to know, maybe this hasn't been just stated and stressed enough, but you need to know that this meeting is very different from traditional gospel meetings that maybe we have had in the past. We have invited Brother Phil Morgan from Newcastle, Indiana to come and to be with us. Phil was with us uh, a few years ago and we've invited him to come back, does an able job, uh, capable job of presenting uh, God's Word. And we've invited him to come and speak to us about God's plan for local church Leadership. That is what it means to have a congregation with elders. And that was very intentional on our part to invite Phil to come and to ask him to speak on that particular topic. What that means then is that means that this particular series of lessons that Phil is going to be presenting to us, it's really not designed for people out there in the world and in the community. It's really not even designed for our brothers and sisters who are part of other neighboring congregations, even though we we have invited them and we've got the flyers in the back and we've mailed those out and we're handing those out to folks and inviting them to come. We want folks to come. We absolutely do. But really, this particular series of meetings, it's for us. It's for us here. Phil is going to talk to us, the Lakeside Church of Christ, about the importance and about the work and about the qualifications, and about the responsibilities of a church toward those men who would serve in the role as shepherds of the flock of God. And as a church, let's just be honest, as a church that is lacking in that department, in fact, if I could just borrow the language that I used on the front page of the bulletin this morning, as a defective church, because that is what we are, then I certainly would hope that you would see the need and the importance to have that kind of teaching here. What that means then is that means that if you care about the future of this congregation, if you have any desire at all to see this church be fully scripturally organized the way that God intends for us to be, then quite simply what that means, brother or sister, is that means you need to be here. 
You need to be here two weeks from today on October the 21st. Be here Sunday morning for Bible class. Be here for the worship hour. Be here Sunday night. Be here Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Six lessons total. If you're not here on Sunday, you've missed half the lessons. You need to be here for the duration of that meeting. You need to put whatever extracurricular activities you might have, you need to put those on hold. You need to clear your calendar if you have not already. And you need to make every effort to be here and to take part in this meeting. As the guy who gets an awful lot dumped in his lap as a result of us being an elderless congregation, I am very personally asking and pleading with you to make this meeting a high priority in your life. This is an important series of lessons for me. If you're a member of this congregation, I would certainly hope that you would see this also as being a very important series of lessons. So let's make plans for that. Now, with that little commercial out of the way, let's get talking about the text. In Proverbs chapter 1, this is verse number 1. Solomon begins this great book of wisdom with these words. Proverbs 1 verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple... Knowledge and discretion to the youth. I I am beginning this evening with that particular passage because it says some things about knowledge and wisdom and instruction for the youth. Solomon says that it's important to provide some, some insight and some guidance and some direction to young people. In fact, we tried to do that in this morning's sermon, didn't we? Provide some instruction and knowledge and equipping for young people. And this evening, I'd like to do that again. In kind of keeping with that youth theme for today, tonight I have three youth-inspired questions. That's really just the best way that I knew how to say all of that. All of these questions, they do come from young people. They come from young people that are here in this congregation. They come from young people even outside of this congregation, all of which I think I think maybe the oldest person that gave me a question was about 21. So these all come from young people. And while these questions and these answers will certainly benefit our young people here, I need to tell you that every person of every age is going to benefit from thinking about the things that we're going to talk about tonight from these three good questions. So let's just jump right in with all of that. Question number one was this. How how do we address racist attitudes that are sometimes present in older folks but still show respect for our elders? Now, i got to tell you, I really appreciate, and I hope you do as well, the sincerity in this question And this question really says something about how conscientious our young people many times are. You know, I know where this question is coming from. I have been there. I understand that dilemma. Have you ever maybe had an older relative in your family? Maybe somebody who came from a from a generation and from a time, or maybe they came from a geographical location where where racial segregation was, well, that was just kind of the norm where they lived. That was the norm where they grew up. Here's old Uncle Bill, or here's Aunt Bertha. And you get around them at Thanksgiving time or whenever it might be, and here it comes. I mean, it doesn't take long before they just start spewing and spouting all this racist language, all kinds of just talk about blacks this and Mexicans this and all kinds of stuff like that. And many people that are maybe sitting around the table, they're just kind of embarrassed about all of that. 
But unfortunately, nobody's saying anything about it. And so what do we say about that? Well, many times what we say is we say, well, you know, that's, that's just Uncle Bill. That's just Aunt Bertha. I mean, I know he probably shouldn't be saying the N-word, but you know, that's just the way he grew up. That's how they fought back then. That's how they talked back then. And well, well, it's just hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Really? Really, is that the best we can do there? That we're just going to kind of sit back and quietly allow very insensitive, very offensive, in fact, I'll take it a step further, very sinful language and attitudes to be going on there without us doing anything about that? Is there anything that we can do about that? Especially if it's coming from an older person. Well, I do believe there's something we can do about that. In fact, the Bible tells us what we can do about that. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 5, please. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, the Bible speaks to this type of scenario specifically. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul gives these instructions to Timothy. I'll remind you, Timothy was also a young man. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul says in verses 1 and 2, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers... Older women as mothers and younger women as sisters in all purity. When an older person is doing or saying something that is it's sinful and it's wrong, somebody needs to get their courage together and somebody needs to go to them and they need to say, Hey, that's wrong. Can't be saying that. Can't be doing that. That's not right. But I want you to notice that Paul tells Timothy that that confrontation needs to happen in a very specific kind of way. Paul says you need to do that, you need to do that correcting, you need to do that admonishing of that old person as if they were your own mother, or as if they were your own father. That is, you're not going to lord over them, those of you that are kids. You go around lording over your moms and dads, talking down to them and telling them what to do. No, that's, that's not how that works in the home. We're not going to do that. We're not going to rebuke them in a harsh sort of way. In fact, if you're reading from the New American Standard or the New International Version, that's actually how verse 1 is rendered. Don't rebuke them harshly. Rather, instead, we're going to be careful. We always want to be careful whenever we're addressing sin in anybody's life. But especially when we're talking to an older person. We want to be careful to show respect and tact and deference That means we're going to have to be humble. We're going to have to strive for encouragement. Isn't that what the verse says? Encourage them. That's the goal, not discourage them. We do want to call sin out for what it is. And let's just be clear, racism is sinful. But we want to do that in a spirit of gentleness. And we want to do that in a spirit of love. And why? Well, because we want that person to do better. We want them to serve the Lord in a right kind of way. You know, those of us that are younger, if you still consider yourself kind of part of the younger generation, we look to the older generations to set the tone, don't we? We look to them to set the pattern and to set the right kind of example for all the rest of us, right? Well, then what we need to do is we need to stop acting like an old dog can't learn new tricks. No! Because whether it's racism or whether it's some other kind of bad behavior, God calls men and women to repentance regardless of what your age is. In fact, let me just say a word right now here to the older folks in attendance. Older folks, if a young person comes to you and they want to address something that maybe they have seen, practiced, or said in your life, something that they believe is amiss and not in keeping with what the Bible says, you know what you need to do when you hear that? 
you need to repent. And in fact, you need to be thankful that somebody, even if it was a younger person, that they had the courage to come and tell you where you were wrong. That's what we need. And so whether we're talking about racist attitudes or gossip or dishonesty, or self-righteousness, or whatever bad behavior it might be, there is a way, a specific way, that God wants older people to be corrected and young people. Right there's your verse, 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2. Keep that in mind and use that as your parameters. How about we shift gears for a moment? We'll actually return to some of that theme of the first question here in just a few moments. But let's look at a question that maybe might seem completely out of left field. It is fixing to be, and it is right now, the Halloween season. And so maybe this question fits quite nicely here at this time of year. Question number two, can Christians participate in games and activities that summon spirits like like a Ouija board or Bloody Mary? Or some of you young people, you may even recall from a couple of years ago, the Charlie Charlie Challenge. You know, it seems like every few years, some new spooky fad comes along and it just seems to capture the imagination of just everybody in the world, especially with young people. In previous generations, it was Bloody Mary, where the idea is that you go and you stare into a mirror and you somehow chant the name Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, three times or however many times you're supposed to say that. And supposedly that's gonna, it's gonna conjure a spirit, a spirit named Mary. And she's gonna then reveal to you your future. I think the old legend was that she'll reveal to you who it is that you're gonna marry. And you'll even see like a, a passing glance of the person that you're going to marry. In the 20th century, we saw the popularization of the Ouija board. And that's the idea, but in fact it's sometimes referred to as the spirit board. A talking board, a spirit-possessed board that's marked with all kinds of letters and numbers that you can then ask questions to. And in essence, it allows you to communicate with spirits in the other side. Spirits that are part of the spirit realm and the spirit world. Or, for those of you that are uninitiated, just a couple of years ago, the popular thing was this trending thing on the internet of the Charlie Charlie Challenge. And that whole idea involved getting a piece of paper and you drew this little grid, this little cross diagram, and you then wrote the words yes or no on that. You got a couple of pencils and you laid those pencils in cross formation on top of one another. And then you enchant the words, Charlie, do you want to come out and play? Or Charlie, Charlie, are you there? At which point a demon, a demon named Charlie, who I'm told is supposedly from Mexico, I'm not making that up, He's then going to cause those pencils to move in a certain kind of way and point to yes or point to no, and that's going to reveal the things that you are interested in. And of course, there's all kinds of videos on the internet of people doing these various kinds of things, and there's lots of others as well. And all of these things claim to have summoned spirits and demons from the supernatural realm. Well, I'm going to tell you this evening, if the question had been presented to me as Josh do you think any of these practices are legitimate, then my answer would be short and sweet. No. Absolutely not. I think all of that stuff, quite frankly, is a bunch of garbage. The Ouija board, for example, you may not know this, the Ouija board is a trademark of the Hasbro Toy Company. That's what it is. It's a toy. It is not a device that enables you to speak to spirits and have spirits and demons communicate back with you. 
The Charlie Charlie Challenge, in my opinion as well, it is the dumbest thing that I have seen on the internet. That is, that is until the Tide Pod Challenge came out last year. And don't get me started on that one. I think all of that kind of stuff is just foolish. But of course, that's not the question I was given. I wasn't asked, you know, do you think it's legitimate or not? The question I was asked is, can a Christian be involved in that stuff? Can a Christian you know, play along with those games and those activities that are all about summoning spirits or maybe summoning demons? And I also want to answer that question very emphatically from the Word of God this evening. I want to just tell you in no uncertain terms that Christians are to have no part in calling or summoning or conjuring demons and spirits. Whatever form that might take, Bloody Mary, Ouija board, Charlie Charlie Challenge, whatever it is, God's people, we do not mess around with the occult. In your Bible, Scripture addresses this. First of all, in the Old Testament, would you find Deuteronomy 18? In Deuteronomy 18, and yes, I realize and understand that this is part of the Old Covenant. I get that. But I do believe it reveals the mind of God about these things. How does God feel about this kind of stuff? Deuteronomy 18 lets us know how He feels about it. Deuteronomy 18, read with me beginning in verse 9. God says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. Well, Lord, what are those abominable practices? He enumerates them, verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination, that's what this stuff is, divination, or tells fortunes, or interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. I'm going to say it again. God's people do not participate in cult and occult-like activity. Period. In fact, if maybe you're thinking, okay, well, that's what God said in the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you this evening, God's opinion about that has not changed. It carries over into the New Covenant. Would you find Galatians, please? In Galatians chapter 5, in this list of what is known as the works of the flesh, that is, these are the ways of darkness... These are the ways of the devil. Galatians chapter 5 says, beginning in verse 19, Galatians 5 verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Sorcery. Sorcery is specifically condemned in the new covenant as a work of the flesh. And so for me to participate in something that God identifies as the work of the devil, that's what we're talking about here, then not only is that an affront to the Bible that revealed these things, but that is an affront to God Himself. You don't need to be consulting with a demon or a spirit about anything. God has already told you everything that you need to know. He has revealed that in His Word. In fact, can we just, let me just trace this out very logically for you. Somebody maybe says, oh, come on, Josh, it's, it's just a game, just for fun. Okay, well, well, what if it is real? Let's think about that for a second. What if it really is real? Playing a Ouija board, doing this Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. What if it really is the legit real thing? 
What if those pencils move? And what if that is the result of some demon from the netherworld? He's responding and talking to you. Do you really? Do you really want to be contacting the devil? Is that somebody that you really want to be talking to, Christian? Do you want the devil's answers to your questions? Hey, here's an important question I've been thinking about. A life issue I've really been wondering how that's going to turn out. I'll ask the devil about that. I'm sure he'll give me some really great advice. No, that's just foolishness. In fact, that's borderline, if not completely, sinful. But then what about on the other hand? What if it is just a game? What if it is just, you know, kind of make-believe? Hey, we're just playing around. Hey, we're just having fun here. Well, doesn't that just announce to the devil that we don't take him seriously? Isn't that just saying to the devil, hey, we don't take you seriously? We don't take your demons and your helpers seriously? We don't take your work seriously? Devil's looking at people like that and he's saying, you know what, now there's some people I can work on. There's people, they, they don't, they think I'm just fun and games. They think I'm over here just having a good time and hey, I'm ready to have a good time with them. I am open pray for the devil when that is my attitude. The Bible says that God's people, we are the ones who take the devil seriously. People out in the world, they don't take the devil seriously. They think he's a joke. That's why they show the caricatures of a little red guy with the horns and the tail and the pitchfork and all that kind of stuff. They don't take it seriously, but we do. We take the devil seriously. We take demonic spirits very seriously. We take the forces of darkness very seriously. You spend some time reading in Ephesians chapter 6. Spiritual warfare is talked about in that passage. God says there's a war going on between light and darkness, between Him and Satan, and that is not fun and games. Christians don't mess with the occult. We do not pretend that devils and demons are something to be trifled and played with. In fact, I think this, this is actually one of the great ways that we can set ourselves apart and differentiate ourselves from the rest of this world. Sometimes we see that passage in Romans 12 about don't be conformed to this world. We try to figure out, okay, how can I apply that? How can, how can I not be conformed to be different from this world? Well, here's a good one. Here's a good place to be different from the world. If it's all fun and silliness, then we don't treat that as fun and silliness. And if you do think that it's real, then we certainly... Don't want to be involved in calling up and conjuring the devil and his workers. And so young people, I'll just tell you very candidly, stay away. Stay away from the occult because that's dabbling in the darkness and that's not where God's people belong. Let's wrap things up with a question now about social media. And even if you're not a social media user, I know lots of our young people use different forms of social media. If that's not really your thing, I need you to stay plugged in here because this is just as relevant to you whether you're a social media person or not. The question is this, what is the proper way to approach a brother or a sister who posts something sinful on social media? What's the best way to approach them without coming across judgmental? And I think that's a great question. Because as we've already talked about in question number one this evening, what's our goal? When somebody's in sin, if we're talking about an older person, or we're talking about somebody on the other side of a screen, what's our goal? Our goal is not to discourage them. Our goal is not to to drive a wedge between us and them. Our goal is not to, to make them angry and cause them to just start spitting nails at us. No, our goal is to encourage them. Our goal is to help people to repent and to do 
do what's right. So how can we do that in the best possible way, especially as we live now in this digital age? Well, I'm going to go ahead and confess to you that there are just lots of complexities with addressing sin on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever social media platform you prefer. And I'm going to go ahead and confess as well that I'm not exactly batting a thousand at admonishing people in those forums without there being some kind of negative backlash. Furthermore, I'll just tell you, there is, well, there's just no one-size-fits-all approach. Every situation is different. I can't just give you a script. I can't say, now, if you type this into your keyboard, and put this in the comment section, that that's always going to work out great, and it's all going to, just, you know, it's going to be wonderful in the end. No. Every circumstance is different. Every person is different. How everybody responds to things is going to be different. Uh, Sometimes even how we see things and how other people see those things, that can be different. And all of those things put together, that can make this a really hard proposition. Let me see though if I can give you just a couple of good principles from Scripture that I think are universal in nature that I think will help all of us here. First and foremost... Whenever we see a Christian posting something online in, a, in an inappropriate kind of way, we want to start. We want to start by depending upon relationship. Would you look in Galatians six, please? In Galatians six, there in verse one, I, I, I make use of this passage, Galatians six one and two, often. And there's a reason for that. There's just so much important stuff in these verses, specifically as it pertains to relationship. In Galatians six and in verse one, Paul writes, "Brothers." If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I need to put the emphasis this evening on the very first word in the verse. Brothers. We are in a spiritual relationship. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the expectation then, since we are brothers and sisters in Christ, the expectation is that I care about you and you care about me. We are all a part of the family of God. If you confront me about something that I post online, my assumption is going to be that you have my best interest at heart. That you're not coming and telling me this because you just want to trample all over me. Or you want to get your jollies making me look all like a, like a dummy and an idiot for what I posted out there. No. You love me. I know that you love me. And I know that you want to help me to do what's right. And I know that. Why? Because we're in a spiritual relationship with one another. We are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. That recognition, that helps to get this whole thing started off on the right foot. Secondly, we want to make sure that we depend upon the Scriptures. We want to bring the Bible to bear in this conversation. Now, you don't have to write a sermon when somebody posts something inappropriate. You don't have to write them a big sermon. You don't have to introduce every single thing that you know in the Bible on this, but I'm going to tell you, you need to make sure somewhere in that conversation you've got at least a verse or some biblical principle that you're basing this stuff off of. Because we're not talking about calling people out because they do something that's different than what I would do. We're not talking about calling people out because they do something different than the way that I was raised. We're not talking about calling people out because they're doing something that, well, it just personally makes me feel uncomfortable. That's not the kind of stuff we're talking about here. 
We're talking about, brother, sister, you're in sin. Man, that, that's just sinful. What, what you posted there, what you said in that, in that particular post, that picture that you put online, that's just sinful and it's wrong. And I am fearful that if you don't do something about that, you might incur the judgment of God. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. And when we are talking about that kind of stuff, sinful activity, then guess what I need? I need a passage for that. I need some Bible to go with that. And that's what I need to rely on. I need to rely upon the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 16, the Bible says there that the Word of God, that it provides, amongst other things, it provides reproof, it provides correction, it provides instruction and training in righteousness. And so when I bring the Word of God to the table, if there's going to be an argument about this, then that argument is not going to be with Josh McKibben. No, that argument is going to be with the one who gave us his word. Because I'm depending upon the scriptures here. Scriptures helps us to dispel matters of opinion. It helps to provide some genuine authority for what we're about to say. And it does. It even helps to displace anger. It's not about me. No, if you're angry, that's between you and God. So we go to somebody and say, Hey, I saw that post that you put out there. I don't know, it's, it's really got me concerned. And the reason is because... This verse over here, how do you reconcile what this says in the Bible with what I'm seeing you post online? Let's depend upon the Bible to help us out here. And then thirdly this evening, finally, I'm going to suggest to you that we need to depend upon honesty to help us in these kinds of situations. And by that, I mean that we would do well to just say, kind of right out of the gate, this is hard. Say that other person... This is really awkward. This is really uncomfortable. But I really do need to say something here. That is a very honest statement, isn't it? And I do think that that needs to be said just just right up front. To just say, hey, this is difficult for me. And I'm really afraid that you might take this in the wrong way. Take it in a way that I did not intend for it to be taken. I'm concerned that what I'm about to say, that it might damage our relationship with one another. I'm afraid that you might get angry at me. I don't know if there's a way that I can say this in just the right words to where it's not going to come across all judgmental and preachy. I need to just say, this is so hard for me. But I love you too much not to say something. In Proverbs chapter 27, there in verses 5 and 6, there the wise man talks about the value of an open rebuke. And in verse 6 he says that Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's talking about the kind of friend who, even though, yes, it's painful what I have to say, even though it's not going to feel good for you to have to hear this and to be confronted about this, it needs to be said. That's honesty. And that includes even being honest about how I am so afraid that what I'm about to say, that it's just going to blow the whole thing up. That it's going to ruin everything in our relationship with one another. I'm concerned about that. But I do believe that that kind of of frank and candid confession, I do think that that is so helpful. Because what we are doing is we are setting the stage, just with our own humility there, we're setting the stage for the right kind of response. I know in my own experience as a preacher, I know that when people come to me and they maybe ask me a question about something from the Bible or a moral issue or ethical issue or whatever it might be, and I just honestly reply to them, you know what, 
I don't know. I thought about that, studied about it, but you know what? I just don't know the answer to that. You know what? I found that that always goes better than if I try to bluff about that and act like I know when I really don't know. I think people appreciate honesty. And we need to be people who are honest. We need to be honest and say, that's not pleasant. This is not enjoyable to have to say this. But this is part of our obligation to one another. Out of our love for each other. Our care for each other. Our being part of the family of God. I need to do this. And in fact, I said those of you that are not social media folks to hang in here, do you realize that all of those principles, those work, even if you're not talking about a social media online kind of thing, here's a brother or a sister that's involved in some kind of sin, and I'm aware of that, and I'm not sure if they even realize that. I've seen some things. I've heard some things. And so I need to go to them. I need to say something. What I want to do is I want to depend upon relationship. I want to depend upon the Scriptures. And I want to depend upon honesty. We need to do that. It's part of being in this family. Whether we're exhorting or admonishing, or yes, even if we are rebuking, we're going to do that. Because we're trying to help each other to go to heaven. That's what this is all about. Now, as we get ready to sing the song that's been selected, as a song of invitation, we'll just end on that particular note. The reason we set aside a time like this at the end of every service is because we want to help people to go to heaven. We're trying to go to heaven. We're helping each other to go to heaven. And we want to help more people to go to heaven. And so, if you are not a Christian, if you have never been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've never confessed Jesus as God's Son, you've never made the commitment and decision to repent and turn from sin, and then be immersed in water to be united with Jesus Christ in baptism so that all your sins can be washed away and you can then be added to the family of God, then this evening, friend... You have that opportunity. All things are ready. All things are made convenient for you. You simply just need to let us know and we'll help you in becoming a child of God. Brother or sister, if there is sin in your life, if there is something that maybe you're struggling with, maybe it's something of a sinful nature, maybe it's just something that you're just struggling with and having a hard time with, this is your opportunity as well to solicit the prayers of your brothers and sisters in the Lord, to solicit the encouragement that we want to provide. You simply just need to let that be known. We're ready to lend that help. Whatever your need might be, would you make it known right now? Do that by coming to the front while we stand and while we sing.